Heather McCoy Show. And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining me on the line to talk about the state of Oklahoma's botched lethal execution last Tuesday night is Matt Cherry. He's the executive director of Death Penalty Focus, found at deathpenalty.org. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Heather. Good morning to you. Yeah, um, let's for, let's start to table this discussion with what exactly happened on, in Oklahoma last Tuesday night. Well, here's what we know, and we don't yet know everything about what went wrong, but um, the state had decided to do the first double execution in about eight decades, which I think from the get-go was something of a political stunt, and they were doing it with a combination of drugs that had never before been used to try to execute someone. And furthermore, they got these drugs from an unknown supplier that they refused to reveal. So even before the execution began, there had been a lot of legal conflict and problems with the Supreme Court in Oklahoma saying that they had to wait on the executions until they could show that they were safe and that the uh, cocktail of drugs would be effective. Yeah. And basically they ignored the Supreme Court and bullied the Supreme Court and eventually went ahead anyway, despite the warnings. And then what happened on the night was they had expected that it would take five to ten minutes to execute the first man. Um, they weren't very sure how long it would take because, as I say, it was an experimental mixture of drugs. And in the event, um, the cocktail did not work. Um, after about ten minutes... Um, when they went in to see if he was unconscious, he replied, no, I'm not unconscious, and he started moaning and uh, writhing around. And after a little while longer, they actually closed the curtains so that the press and the public could not see what was going on. And then they announced that they had abandoned the execution because the drugs did not work. Because they said they um, had blown a vein on the prisoner but we don't know that for sure because we didn't see what happened after they closed the curtains. And then once they said, we're not going to kill this man tonight, about 20 minutes later, he died from a massive heart attack, um, probably caused by the stress of being going through the process of being put to death, but uh, we won't know for sure until we have an autopsy. So the whole thing from beginning to end was botched up. It was forced through with experimental drugs, and it was done at the behest of the governor who wanted to show that she was tough on crime by executing two people at once. Yeah, the panel of judges... The pan, Let's see. I didn't, let me change my microphone real fast. The panel of judges actually did the right thing at first and ordered a stay on both Lockett and Warner, the double execution, but... Then the governor, along with the state legislature, actually threatened impeachment to the judges that actually were reviewing the case. Why was exactly. the, yeah? Why was the political pressure so intense? Well, I think this is what we see a lot around the death penalty system, that it's really done for reasons of uh, political showcasing more often than actually trying to implement justice. And so in this case, we had the governor and some of the legislature trying to prove how tough they are, that they're tough on crime, that they, you know, can um, take action and not be afraid to put people to death. And it really became about them making a political point rather than respecting the separation of powers, 
rather than respecting due process and respecting the rule of law. So we actually get the bizarre case of a governor skirting the law and threatening to ignore the law in order to show that she's um, tough on law and order. Yeah. As you were giving a summary of what exactly we know, um, after the initial set of drugs failed to kill Clayton Lockett, prison officials, as you said, closed the curtain to the gallery. Is that act alone a violation of law? Um, I don't think so. That will probably be something that comes out in subsequent litigation as to whether they um, were right to hide what was going on. But I think what we see throughout the process is an attempt to shroud it in secrecy. And that was the subject of the appeal to the Oklahoma Supreme Court, that the secrecy surrounding the lethal cocktail was unconstitutional because the prisoner has a right to know that he won't be subjected to cruel and inhuman punishment, and therefore the prisoner has a right to know what's going into the lethal injection that's being used on him. And they denied that right, and they claimed it, you know, not, don't worry, we know what we're doing. And as we saw, they did not know what they're doing, they were incompetent, they botched it up, they clearly did inflict cruel and inhuman punishment. And I think it's fairly evident that the whole secrecy surrounding that was really an attempt to protect their incompetence, to protect legally dubious behavior. And I think generally in America we have the attitude that um, the best way to ensure good government is to keep it out in the open. And when things are done in secret, that's when things go wrong and there's no room to uh, make sure that what's going on behind that curtain is not illegal. Yeah, the reason why the drug cocktail was kept secret was because most drug manufacturers have procedures to prevent um, their drugs and products being used in judicial killings as part of a European-led boycott. Um, however, as you say, the Oklahoma just kind of plowed ahead forward and executed in haphazard fashion. It's, is anybody going to pay like political consequences for this? or? Well, that, that remains to be seen. I think there will be certainly some lawsuits arising from this. And I also think we will see that other states and other planned executions will be challenged um, even more strongly. And I'm hoping that other executions around the country will be put on hold until they examine these questions about lethal injection procedures. Yeah, uh, Clayton Lockett's attorney, David Autry, he represented his client for 11 years and he witnessed the execution. He wants the Department of Justice to lead an investigation into what went wrong. Um, do you think the Department of Justice is going to take this up under Eric Holder? I, I hope so. I think it's clear that leaving the investigation to the same people who botched up the execution, leaving it to the governor of Oklahoma or to the people who work for the governor of Oklahoma is not going to satisfy anyone who has genuine doubts about what happened. I think for a investigation to be independent, it has to be done by a trusted authority outside of Oklahoma. And a Department of Justice at the federal level would seem to be a natural place to turn for that kind of independent expert investigation. Could this investigation lead to perhaps maybe outlawing the 
practice of the death penalty because it just seems like putting together a drug cocktail haphazardly because you can't access the drugs you really want. That just doesn't seem like that's a fair and humane way to go about it. So just abolish it completely. Well, that would, I mean, I would be in support of abolishing the death penalty. <laughs> I'm not sure that this single case will result in that, but what I think it will do is to force the proponents of the death penalty to defend their actions and to demonstrate that it is possible to have a lethal injection system that is humane and constitutional, and we have yet to see them do that. Yeah. Um, you know, for argument's sake, let's just say that this, you know, post this um, botched execution procedures are put in place to make it more humane again. Um, why does your group work towards the abolishment of the death penalty? So did you ask why do we work towards the abolition yeah, why do, of the death yeah, penalty? Why does, yeah, why does your group work towards that? Because we feel the death penalty does not work. It does not do the things it's claimed to do. It does not deter crime. It does not provide closure to all families. And also the, the way that the death penalty is used is arbitrary and unequal and frequently discriminatory, including uh, discriminating against people because of their ethnicity or because of the, their lack of resources. So we feel the whole system is rife with injustice, it's ineffectual, and it amounts to um, the only form of punishment that can never be reversed. And when you have a form of punishment that's irreversible, you want to ensure that it is just and fair and equal, and we can never do that with a death penalty. Yeah, in fact, a new study that you were saying came out, uh, one out of 25 people are actually innocent on death row. Yes, yeah, so the day before this botched execution in Oklahoma, the National Academy of Sciences published a study that said as a conservative estimate, that's their word, a conservative estimate, 4.1% of people sentenced to death in the U.S. are in fact completely innocent. And yet, that's more than twice as many people as have been exonerated and released from prison. So according to this study, there are many people who are still in jail, um, convicted, sentenced to death, who are in fact innocent. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but at one point I think during a jury selection for a death penalty case, a potential juror could be dismissed if they oppose the death penalty. That alone doesn't seem very fair. No, that, that's still the case. Um, they have what, to, to hear a death penalty case and then also to pass sentence in a death penalty case, which is a separate phase, the jury members um, have to support the death penalty. If they say they object to the death penalty in principle, then they're thrown off the jury. And a number of studies have shown that these so-called death-qualified juries, that's what they're called, the juries where everyone there supports the death penalty, they are more likely to make a mistake and falsely convict someone than would a more uh, broadly-based jury. Yeah. Um, so what would your response to be to the reactionary Christian point of view that I hear that, you know, the Bible verse goes an eye for an eye? Well, I think there's a couple of responses to that. First of all, um, U.S. public policy is not based on uh, religious scripture. It's based on what's best for uh, the people and what's supported by the people. So people can refer to the Bible, but we find different verses in different parts of the Bible 
that suggest different policies. Yeah. And there are, there are many Christians and many churches who very strongly oppose the death penalty because they also see the Bible saying, thou shalt not kill. They also hear, if they're Catholic, they hear the Pope coming out and saying the death penalty is wrong and Catholics should oppose it. They hear many other religious leaders opposing the death penalty. And there's a strong movement of religious organizations and individuals who work very bravely and very selflessly to oppose the death penalty. Do you think the events of last week will open up a new discussion about the abolishment of the death penalty? I do hope so. I, I know there are some people who support it no matter what and who have absolutely no problem. If there's cruelty in that system, they say, yeah, what the hell, you know, the, the guy they're killing was cruel, so why shouldn't it be cruel in return? Even though that goes against the U.S. Constitution. But I also know there are, are many people who support the death penalty in principle, but who increasingly have doubts about it in practice. They're not opposed to killing someone who they are certain is guilty of a terrible crime, but when they realize that they cannot be certain of that in every case, when they realize that the system makes mistakes, and when they also realize that the execution process itself may be cruel, then we see more and more people turning against the system. What would the prison system and society look like without the death penalty? I think it's easy to see what society would look like without death penalty because every other nation in the Western world is without the death penalty. Every other Western nation, every nation in Europe, every nation in North and Central and South America has abolished the death penalty except for the U.S. And then even within the U.S., we see many states, I think it's 16 states now, have abolished the death penalty, including six states in the past six years. And we find that in those societies that abolish the death penalty, there is no increase in crime. There's no increase in the murder rate. In fact, states that do not have the death penalty actually have lower rates of murder than those areas that do have the death penalty. And we also find that because of the huge cost of administering a death penalty system, that places that abolish the death penalty save a lot of money, which they can then invest in helping victims or preventing crime. And we actually see cases of that. For example, last year, the state of Maryland abolished the death penalty, and this year they took the savings from that and passed a bill that would use that money to help the victims of crime and provide money to them. Oh, that's great. Any thoughts you want to leave off with? Or? No, I... I would just like to add that when we see how this process went wrong, we have to remember that the whole system of the death penalty is administered by the government and run by politicians. And there's also always going to be human error and self-interest and mistakes made. And when you look at a system that is inevitably going to have mistakes, you don't want to have it dealing with matters of life and death. And there is nothing more central to issues of life and death than the death penalty. Definitely. My guest has been Matt Cherry. He's the executive director of Death Penalty Focus. It can be found online at deathpenalty.org. Thanks for being on the show this morning, Matt. Thank you, Heather. Okay, and if this, of course, is the Heather McCoy Show.